0: Welcome back to Composer Quest. I'm your host, Charlie McCarran, a Minneapolis composer, and I started the show because I wanted to share insights from other songwriters and composers about how they create music. You can hear all these episodes at composerquest.com. Just a reminder to mark your calendars for the first ever Composer Quest concert happening on Saturday, May 11th at 8 p.m. at Yoga Soul Studio here in Minneapolis. We're going to feature a number of the artists who've been on the show including Paul Spring, Peter Fry, and the Twin Cities Trio. I'll have more details on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash ComposerQuest. So if you're a ComposerQuest listener here in Minnesota, it'd be awesome to see you there, and you'll get to meet some of the guests you've heard so much from. So now, speaking of guests, this episode features the talented songwriter and singer, Matt Levin. No,
1: And all entangled
0: together Matt plays in the band Emot With Dan Choma on drums Justin Hartke on bass And Robert Mulrennan on guitar Matt's been working on a new album with Emot And it was a pleasure hearing him play a couple of these songs live And talk about the process in making this new album You're
1: trying too hard to prove her wrong
0: I'm here with Matt Levitt. Matt, thanks for joining me on Composer Quest.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah. So your band—I just found out how to pronounce it. (laughs) Emot. Uh huh. Not French, with the T silent, as I was thinking. Yeah. But what's your process for songwriting? Um,
2: usually I'll demo out songs at home. But this newest record definitely has a lot more full band input. We did a lot more writing, kind of as a unit, and I think that has really strengthened the songs and kind of given everyone a stake in the music more so than just, you know, hey guys, these are my songs and they're meant to be played this way or something, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. And I think the ethos of the this newest record is trying to get as close to that moment of song genesis as we can, because you know that moment of creating a song, whether it's just you or if it's with other bandmates is kind of the point where the most ideas are happening and not trying to lose that by rewriting it too much or adding too much on top of it, even though we as a band are notorious for (laughs) overtracking things to the max. But usually the first or second time you do something, it's the most exciting. And after that, it's kind of you're rehashing ideas that you already thought up in that moment.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's something I wish I was better at, that I could just come up with an idea and then fully form it into a song. Because I feel like I get so excited about one idea maybe and then repeat that same phrase over and over again and then by the time you do that, it's like you're already sick of it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and that's just, you know, I try to be a critical listener of our music and I felt like with some of the songs on the older records, they're a little bit challenging to listen to just for me because we labored over them so much. It's like, meh, I don't care to listen to this in the recorded form anymore. But I'm not feeling that way on these new batch of songs and maybe that process is lending itself to more listenability or maybe just the songs are better too. I don't know. I mean, but... Hmm.
0: Um, what is this, the new album that you're working on? Um, uh,
2: yeah, it's, um, we were really fortunate to be Connected with Brian Moen, who's in Peter Wolf Cryer. He was in Lark's, an Eau Claire, Wisconsin band, which I'm where I'm from. And he was in a band called Amateur Love there, too, which is one of my touchstone bands growing up. So I just really have loved his music and
0: his sound sensibility over the years, and we were just
2: really excited to work with him.
0: What's the recording process like for you? Do you have the songs pretty much finished by the time you get into the studio? Or do you mess with things after the fact, after you record?
2: Yeah, we will often come with the song structure put together and rehearsed as much as we can. But then, you know, once we have the structure down, it can kind of take a bunch of different directions after that, whether it's through just finding tones that we like, or uh, in this case, we used a lot more keyboards. One of the things I knew that we would work together well with Brian is that he loves cheap keyboard sounds like cheap casio keyboard sounds and you know it's it's kind of in vogue now but i i adore old console organs and and cheap keyboards that you can buy at a thrift store and not making that like a synth record but incorporating those elements in a tasteful way where it it doesn't sound like a hammond b3 or it doesn't sound like a synth pad on a really expensive synth it sounds very distinct because it's kind of shitty you know (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) you know no, um, I I I totally like that idea too. I did one album experiment where I used just a little Casio toy keyboard for all these tracks. It's fun because limiting yourself to those kind of sounds, it's like there's not really much you can change about them.
2: Yeah, exactly. Or in the, it's kind of like setting some self-imposed limitations on what you do in the studio. I haven't gotten into Pro Tools and Native Instruments in a big way just because I think it's too much choice for me, you know. I, I like to work more tangibly with like, this button does this and this key makes this noise. He's the guitar player in the band. He's really a really interesting guitar player in that he kind of treats the guitar almost like a synth. And looping was a big part of his live sound, especially with this band. And after playing with him, I bought a loop pedal too and kind of got into that as, as another tool to create songs. You know, it's kind of been an interesting thing to work on a loop and kind of have that be the the prominent part
0: of the song. So when you guys are doing multiple people looping things at the same time, do you... Try and coordinate those between yourselves.
1: hmm so.
2: You know, it's a little bit of an unspoken way we play to really listen to each other and to not, you know, step on each other's toes. And it's, it can be tricky. Sometimes it doesn't always work, but when it does work, I think it works on a really interesting level and it really... To me, it's kind of a unique sound when everybody's locked in and we Every member has a little bit of push and pull in terms of controlling what the feel of the song is going to be or or what the prominent part of it is going to be.
0: Yeah. Well, that's cool. I would be curious to see you guys live. Is there a song from your new album that you'd want to play? Sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: I'll play Garbage Tones. It's going to be the second to last song on on the new record.
1: Simple things like flesh and bone. Don't force it now. We're taught that it's an easy burn. A little spot of violence returns to form inside. You claim. Never far from what we fear
0: Where did that song come from? Where did it come from? Um, well,
2: the piano part came first playing at my parents' house. And, you know, we were talking about earlier that idea of just kind of creating a moment and capturing that first moment of, of song creation. And it felt like that. I wasn't really thinking about piano. And that, at that time, I didn't have a piano at home and I hadn't played a lot. And I didn't really know what, you know, like I can play triads and that's about it. So I wasn't consciously thinking about where the chords were going to go. It just sounded good when I was playing through it. And I had an idea for a melody over that too. But It, it started out a, a lot slower and kind
0: of more plotting. Would you be able to play what it originally sounded like? The slower yeah, plotting it was, version?
2: <laughs> it was just kind of the same as what I just played, but it was just like... A... it's the same kind of thing but just on the recorded version it's got a lot of interesting percussion to kind of pull it along it still to me is is one of the strongest songs on the record just because it always is kind of growing and and changing until you get to the very end and you end up in a place that the first part of the song doesn't suggest at all
0: so how do you think about overall song structure when you're writing do you plan out or do you just kind of Go by the feel of it, where it's gonna end up, yeah, or? I
2: think you know every time I've tried to write a more a b a b a b c a song, it just doesn't work, even though some of the songs that I write may fall into that pattern, yeah, I guess it is a lot more about feeling and and just about finding an interesting guitar tuning or something or like a guitar tone or keyboard tone that kind of suggests a feeling.
0: What about the lyrics in that song?
2: Um, well, yeah, I'm always really bad at talking about lyrics because they are <laughs> they always seem to come last and they're always the most challenging part for me of writing songs is to find lyrics that don't sound cliche because nothing ruins a song more than bad lyrics. And, you know, you can have the best melody and the coolest sounding record of all time, but if the lyrics don't work, then it just is a distraction. So how I've tended to write in the past is is very abstract or kind of guarding some personal feelings i have in the language that's chosen and and, you know a lot of times it can be just lines that come out when i'm writing a song for the first time that just are kind of free form singing whatever comes out and even if the line doesn't make sense i'll try to write around those lines and and make it make sense to me yeah i I don't know how uh, other people approach lyric writing but it always seems like kind of a mystery and I'm very envious of people who can be direct with lyrics and not be corny about it you know
0: yeah I'm with you on that the lyrics usually tend to be the thing I do last and tends to be the thing I take the most time doing (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah
0: and it's probably like
2: anything else you know it's just devoting more time and writing as much as one can in a given week for me lyricists like Richard Buckner or Tim Rutilli from Califone, you know, I, I love those guys a lot. And you read the lyric sheet and it's, you know, sometimes kind of unintelligible in terms of what it actually means, but it has a power, even though it's not like a standard Bruce Springsteen song or a Neil Young song or something that has a little bit more of a linear idea to it. And I guess I've always kind of latched onto that way of approaching lyrics. For people who would listen to our music, I guess my one hope is that the lyrics are open enough that it's not telling someone what the story is, filling in all the blanks or saying, you should feel this or I feel this, you know, kind of leaving it open to find themselves in it.
1: There's a feeling that's warm and clear No invocation or setting can spare all are welcome, come down and be still It will remind you of what's always been there Your burdens and wash them off. We are stars now, remade from the dust. Unfurl my leaves and grow. Let it drown. It shouldn't.
0: of is the inspiration for this album is there an overall story with it or
2: yeah that's a good question I guess you know after we've gotten it roughly sequenced it's kind of for me at least charting a path of I don't want to say finding a good place because I'm not you know I'm not depressed or anything but it's just songwriting wise like Monty Python looking on the bright side of life you know like and that's it seems kind of corny to say that but we just My wife and I had a a daughter in May, and that was obviously a a big deal. And for anyone who has a kid, it should be a big deal. But it was kind of reevaluating some of the things I used to focus on really hard before she was born and challenging that and kind of challenging some of those knee-jerk reactions that you have to the world, whether it's just getting over-involved in your own business, which I'm not absolved from, but, you know, at least trying to see the other side of it and seeing that there is something beyond those feelings that you just fall back on. So, you know, the record seems to chart a little bit more of a hopeful course towards the end, and that feels good to me. That feels like that's the kind of feeling I want to put out there right now.
0: Does the idea that your daughter will be listening to your songs someday change how you write? I
2: don't know. I guess I haven't given that a lot of thought. If I make it through... To when she's a teenager and she doesn't think I'm a loser, then, I don't know,
0: maybe. Hey, her dad's in a rock <laughs> band? That, yeah. Uh, that had some bonus cool points <laughs> for, as a dad.
2: Yeah, I've discovered that point-keeping as a, a musician dad is definitely of a premium. <laughs> but no, I mean, it's. I don't think I've been consciously thinking of that. It's more just like personal conduct, I guess, and wanting to be the best for not only my own little family but just to be better in general cool
0: how did you get started writing songs
2: well (laughs) i started writing songs when i was like in seventh grade or something and they were awful i was really into jam bands you know not speak ill of them because there are a lot of cool jam bands out there but it was kind of of that vein like dave matthews but shittier. (laughs) I really rode that wave for a lot longer than I should have because it kind of shut me out from other music when I was early in high school. It wasn't until I got kind of late high school into college that I really started branching out more and I started writing songs that I was actually happy with and would play now. I will always feel like Like for probably for most people, it's a long process of finding out what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses as a musician, and how do you amplify your strengths and then you kind of focus in and more on where your natural inclinations are, yeah, which I, I guess for us is it. kind of like slow, melodic indie pop or <laughs> I don't know <laughs>
0: yeah, do you have any advice for someone who's like on the verge of being? Comfortable with performing their stuff for the first time or recording their songs they're coming up with?
2: Yeah, that's, I mean, no one's ever asked me, but I had kind of a revelation a little bit ago that, you know, if I'm going to be singing out for people and making records and committing to do this, I mean, this is going to be our third record now. And that's kind of s- silly that this is a revelation to me, but to just sing and play with conviction if you believe in what you're performing and you care about it then chances are your audience will care about it too. I guess I had too many experiences where I'd play a show and then I wasn't happy with it because I didn't give all that I had and you know that's kind of a no-brainer thing for people who play up-tempo rock or you know whatever I mean if you don't bring it people are going to be bored but for the music we play I was sometimes content to just kind of lay back and and I really. Have gone away from that now. And when I play a show, I want to just lay everything that I have out on the table. And if you like it, that's awesome. If you don't, that's fine too. But at least I didn't leave anything hidden, I guess. So sing sing and play with conviction is definitely my motto of the last six months.
0: Yeah. Well, that's good because I think probably a lot of people just getting over the initial awkwardness of trying to get up on stage and singing for the first time, maybe. It'll be ironically less awkward if you're totally into it.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I mean, even if, you know, it's. I think you have to go through that process of feeling silly to kind of find where your place of expression is coming from, and I, I still feel like I have a lot to learn there, too.
1: Stay-
0: The song Ancients, I really like that one. Oh cool man, thanks. Yeah. How did that song come about?
2: You know sometimes when I'm kind of in a rut guitar wise, I'll tune it down to some funny tuning and just kind of muddle my way through and see if I can find something that sounds cool. And in that, actually, I was reading some articles about Low, another one of you know mine and I know the rest of the guys band favorite bands, and Alan plays, I think it's all of the Low songs are in open G tuning. And it's just a really interesting guitar tuning. So I tuned it down to that with a low C instead of a D. For whatever reason, that tuning just really gets me. I don't know why.
1: Run your golden arms,
2: my back. The melody and the, the main guitar part, I kind of knew that those would go together. And really where the band came in was finding out The middle breakdown section that gets heavier and then the double bridge, I don't know what you call it, the D part. That was one of the first songs that we wrote together as a band and kind of put the pieces together and I think that is one of our stronger songs on that record just because everybody had an input in it and you know it's kind of one of those songs that Covers a lot of ground, but it also comes back full circle.
0: The song "Purple Streaks" too. I really uh-huh. liked that one. And what, what was the creative process like in that?
2: That was another song that came from that weird guitar tuning. It's made a lot of appearances on the Emot records for whatever reason. But uh, I was really into Animal Collective, the um, Sung Tongs record. And they do a lot of like repetitive guitar strumming on that record, and that intrigued me a little bit. Creating some kind of mental space just through repetition. You get to this spot where you're like, OK, I understand what this guitar is. It's just strumming, this one chord. And then you get to the point beyond that where it opens a door somewhere. about these situations that a friend and I had had camping out in West Virginia and it was <laughs> may or may not have just some experimentation with psychedelics and, and just the the outcome of that.
0: A positive or negative experience? Uh, probably some of
2: both. Um, I mean it was just an experience that you know I thought a lot about afterwards and it came out in the song and it's again you know it's Lyrically, there's not like a deep meaning behind it or anything. It was just kind of like little snippets and images, and it was kind of an interesting time in my life when I was younger and getting out of town when we could.
0: Having you in to talk about your music.
2: Oh, thanks, man. I really appreciate the opportunity.
0: Yeah. I have a challenge for you also All that right. I propose to every guest on the show. So for each podcast episode, we need a some sort of intro theme. Okay. But if you would be interested in trying this on the spot, so we could maybe whoa. yeah so we could maybe get a little bit into your well, how you come up with things whoa it's gonna be
2: like <laughs> playing c um yeah no okay
0: i'm i'll, I'll okay. get a shot sweet
2: now i feel and, like i'm on the spot
0: yikes. yeah <laughs> Thanks for joining me on this episode of Composer Quest with Matt Levitt. For more EMOT music, you can visit emot.bandcamp.com. And if you've been enjoying Composer Quest, I would love to hear from you at facebook.com/composerquest or twitter.com/composerquest. I'll leave you with a taste of a track called Onion Face from EMOT's release Make You Electric.